Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Elevate Your Soul podcast. Today, I have an interesting episode about food and nutrition with Ronnie Landis. He is an evolutionary nutritionist, human potential expert, and a mind-body mastery coach. Today, we talk about so many things along the lines of body and health and food, such as why we gain stubborn fat around our tummy area. We go over the vegan diet, paleo diet, and keto diet and get to know his perspective on these. Acne, where does it come from and how to cure it. Powerful foods that you should be incorporating in your diet, foods that you should be avoiding in your diet, and how to prevent getting disease within the body and so much more. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hello, Ronnie. Welcome to the Elevate Your Soul podcast. Thanks so much for having me. How are you today? Um, I am the best ever, uh, just in the flow of multiple things, um, projects and awesome, uh, just cool things that I'm really excited about uh, launching into the world. And in this moment, I have the pleasure of talking to you. Awesome. I love it. Rolling into that, what elevates your soul? Ooh, good question. Um, <clears throat> what elevates my soul? Uh, transformation, embodiment, uh, integrating new ideas and principles and strategies for growth, integration, um, uh, becoming the next version of myself. I think that's a theme that is always occurring in my my space. Like, what does the next level look like? What does it feel like? How can I step into that? Um, and how can I bring more of my gifts to the world? Awesome. I love that. All right. I'm going to dive straight in for these questions on health and food specifically. Mm -hmm. Why do we gain fat around our tummy area when it's not evenly, you know, spread throughout the body and it's around the tummy area? Is that a natural thing? Is that also different for the gender uh, or the sexes of being male versus female? And how do we get rid of it? Okay, wow. Um, that is a, that's a big question and there's a lot of different um, places we can go with it. In there. Yeah. yeah, so let me start with the, the gender specific question. So <clears throat> when it comes to male and female biology and physiology, there are some dis distinct differences. There's not a huge difference, but when it comes to female um, biology, there's, there's menstrual phases, there's hormonal phases, and there's also stress-based phases in the, in the current world that we live in with just the hyper amount of stress, the lack of sleep, restoration, recovery. Um, there's multiple factors there. So for a woman in particular, I think what's really important to understand is that we have been bombarded with media advertisement, with conditioning around body image, what is, what is um, attractive versus what's actually healthy. Um, there's, there's, that has to be taken into account because there's a lot of body image dysmorphia that is not necessarily natural, 
or it's not accurate to what a natural body type actually is. And everybody has a different body type, by the way. So let's get that out of the way. Yeah. Everybody has a different body type that's going to be specific to them. So um, for a woman, let's say, for example, if a woman is um, if a woman is is pregnant or she's in a prepara a, conce a conception preparation phase, depending on what phase she's in, she's going to have more body weight, specifically adipose tissue around the hips, the child-bearing regions of the body. That's going to be totally natural. Um, so you want to keep that in mind. What phase of your own life cycle are you in? It's going to be very important um, just to make that determination. Um, mm instead of this whole kind of like one size fits all this blanket yeah. statement around you know body weight and also one thing you brought up which i want to kind of mention and get out of the way too is this idea of getting rid of body fat yeah one of the issues that we see in our world right now is stress induced body weight um so there's a phrase your issues are in your tissues um and this is this basically means that your personal issues your psychological, emotional um, issues also translate into the, the, the fat tissue that's developed in the body, meaning that the more stress, the more internal conflict or stress that builds up within somebody's system, if they're not able to process that through their body, let's say, for example, um, you have psychological stress, you have mental stress, you have, um, you're working a job that you don't want to work and you know that you shouldn't be there or there's a certain relationships going on in your life, um, whatever the case is, and you're not able to reconcile that, all that energy has to get redistributed into the body tissue because it's not being processed or worked out otherwise. Yeah. So essentially that energy is being, is being um, translated into stress chemistry that the fat cells in the body actually act as a buffer or as a storage unit for physical toxins, environmental toxins, and stress-based toxins, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's important to understand. It's not just about getting rid of the weight. It's about reconciling the internal conflicts and issues that somebody has within their own life. So that has to be taken into account. Um, then there's the aspect of toxicity. We, we live in a world where there is 77,000 identifiable chemicals in our environment up, you know, for the last 60, 70, maybe 80 years of the industrial, um, the industrial world that we live in. And so there's detoxification and cleansing practices that have to be implemented. And basically what we're looking to do is we're not looking to get rid of the weight per se. We're looking to do something called terrain modification, which helps you modify or adjust the internal terrain of your digestive system, of your hormone chemistry, of um, you know the different functions, your immune system, for example, your blood pH, meaning your acid and alkaline balance. When you take care of the internal um, terrain and you modify that through eating practices, movement practice, cleansing, detoxification, etc. Then you start to change the outer expression, i.e., the excess body weight. Um, and then again, what, like I mentioned before, taking in the mental and emotional picture as well as a holistic approach to transformation 
when you, when you start to adjust things from that perspective, instead of focusing on like, okay, I got to get rid of this body weight because of, you know, this photo shoot or because of the summer or whatever, nothing wrong with wanting to look good in a bikini, but that can't be the sole motivator because you're going to swing right back um, after the summer's over, or you're going to do drastic things that are going to be short term but are not gonna to lead to long-term health and sustainability. So understanding what is my motivation and what is my intention for why I want to uh, get healthy. If getting healthy and sustaining true vibrant health is the goal, then you're gonna do things that are gonna support vibrant health long-term. Yeah. Um, and that's really what I think people want. They wanna feel good in their body. And when people feel good and they feel more energetic, then their body starts to shift and morph into their natural body weight. And um, that's really what we want. So those are some, some very simple things. We can go a little bit deeper if you want. Uh, I think that's, that's great so far. Um, I guess what I'm asking as well is when it's rather than just wanting to, for people wanting to lose weight, is and and as you said thank you for saying with the females how that's more natural with our you know how we have different hormone levels and that how we have that extra tissue around the hip area mm -hmm. but say for example a man who's carrying a lot of fat right and and weight around his belly button area and around the stomach area mm -hmm. and nowhere mm -hmm. else in the body mm -hmm. um so would you say that that's kind of an emotional blockage or they have suppressed trauma that they haven't worked with and that's the issue that's stuck in their tissue I, I would say I would say that's part of it but yeah. but what what the real issue is is that it's something called um, estrogen dominance so this is the other aspect and this goes for men and for women because okay. of the because of the overexposure to what's called xenoestrogens these are pesticides of all kinds petroleum based chemicals um, inorganic, basically all the chemicals and farming chemicals that are in inorganic conventional produce, um, the plastics, all the plastic particulates, the phthalates, the PCBs, plastic water bottles when you're drinking your water. Water is a solvent, so it's going to dissolve the particulates in plastic bottle water that are sitting out in front of UV lighting, that are sitting in front of the sun, yeah. Um, they're they're going to break down into the water. So you're essentially drinking micronized plastic. And that plastic actually has what's called an estrogen mimicking effect. And so for men in particular, what ends up happening is that the more of these fake estrogens that build up in their body, their growth hormones, what are called androgen hormones, male-based hormones, they start to get inverted. So for a man... You know, men want to have high levels of healthy, free testosterone. When they start to lower testosterone, their estrogen levels go higher. Yeah. And this, this leads to a lot of issues. It leads to emotional issues. It leads to identity crises. Um, it leads to apathy, passivity, um, you know, a lack of willpower, which is an epidemic that we're seeing, which is why so many women are like, where are all the men? you know, where'd all the men go? And a lot of women are getting into their, their masculine, which also throws a woman's chemistry out of balance, by the way. So a lot of, a lot of these, these masculine feminine dynamics, a lot of it has to do with 
um, the biology of our hormones getting thrown off balance. So this is why cleansing and detoxing is so important because we're very literally, so, so anyways, just to finish that train of thought, the, because of the, the inversion of these hormones and the xenoestrogens that are flooding around a man's biology, what ends up happening is that a man's body weight starts to, starts to get exaggerated. So when men have that, that pudge in their belly, what, what that basically is is xenoestrogens. And their testosterone is being converted into certain forms of estrogen. This is called aromatization. People that are listening to this can look this up, aromatization, which is a certain enzyme called aromatase is converting testosterone into estrogen and then that creates more um basically creates more body weight or body fat um production and um there's it's a little more complicated than that but that's the basic idea um i've i've written about this extensively i have videos on youtube this is a very popular topic it's easy to look into there's certain herbs there's certain um foods and supplements that help to rebalance hormones and, um, and, uh, and, and increase natural testosterone and block off the conversion of testosterone into estrogen. This also happens with women, by the way, which is why it's so hard in certain cases for you just to shift your body weight. Yeah. Um, you know, why so many people have so many problems with it because there's actually a hormonal, there's a hormonal issue there. And so we have to work out the balance of those hormones in getting the dominant androgen hormones or what's called euthening hormones in a woman's body that's progesterone. And that balance between progesterone and estrogen is really important. So anyways, just to simplify all this, when you see um, somebody with excess weight, um, um, there's a number of other symptoms as well. In women, it's, it, there's a lot more when it comes to like endometriosis, um, cystic fibroids, arthritis, um, even brain fog, um, metabolism issues, which is prevalent, um, menopausal issues, all that kind of stuff. That's a form of estrogen dominance. And um, that needs to be worked out through cleansing, detoxing, balancing our pH, and um, many other other methods that are well documented. Interesting. Um, Can I ask, just for the listeners who are driving right now and don't want to Google anything, yeah. what, what foods you can think of that we're consuming a lot of that creates this, um, mm-hmm. that mimics the estrogen in our bodies? Or okay. Or Ama- <clears throat> Amazing question. Um, well, one of the first things is if somebody is not vegetarian or vegan, they're eating animal products, particularly meat-based products, one of the things that's going on with conventional farming, this, this is not grass-fed or grass-finished meat, but this is conventional factory farming meat. Yeah. Um, a- among the, the myriad of problems with that, one of them is that they're being injected with growth hormones and they're also being injected with estrogen hormones. And they're also eating all the pesticides. And what we've discovered is that um, an animal concentrates all the chemicals in their environment a hundred times more than the plants to do. So wow. it concentrates that in their fat tissue. And why so, is the cow uh, getting supplemented with 
artificial estrogen hormone. Oh, I mean, it's, 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 it's a crazy situation. I mean, they, it basically starts from the food that they're eating. So normally, yeah. normally an animal would be grazing on grass, like a cow yeah. would be grazing on grass. That would be more their natural food supply. What they're doing in these factory farms is that they're supplying them genetically modified soy and grain products, which they're not adapted to eating. Yep. which creates inflammation and autoimmune conditions in these animals. And then what they do is they antibioticize these animals because they get sick from the, from the grain and the feed that they're eating. Oh, God. They're, they're, de they're, dis they're um, developing hormone problems from the soy in particular. And so they're treating them with antibiotics, and they're also doing hormone injections because – they're trying to grow them faster than they naturally would. Um, and then you're and then, eating all that shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we wonder why we're growing fat in weird areas of our body and we can't get rid of it. Yeah, 100%. So that, that's, that's one thing. Another thing for a lot of people that um, I've noticed over the last decade or so in the vegan and plant-based communities is um, people eating meat mimicking products. Yeah. So the transition kind of junk food vegan products, yeah. um, which I'm not going to say is, is I, I personally don't understand why, if we're going to do a plant-based diet, why would you eat products that mimic um, Hot animals? dogs and hamburgers, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. And if you look at the ingredients, most of it is all chemicals. Most of it is glued Boy. together through gluten. Um, Satan, for example, in gluten-based products, that's actually gluten is like glue. So it glues those things together. Yeah. Um, that's not really, that doesn't sound good. No. Um, and, then, and then, yeah, soy-based products, exactly. And soy can be, if the, the only soy, just to avoid confusion for people, yeah. the only soy I would ever recommend eating in, in moderation would be fermented um, tempeh. Um, anything that's not fermented, in, and by the way, 93, if not more, percent of the soy grown in the world now is genetically modified. Yes. So that, that, that right there is like, you know, we just need to get away from that at all costs. But it's and also. What if, what if there are people listening to this right now who are vegan who are eating those products, yeah. um, but it's saying non GM made with non GMO soy on Yeah, there. I mean, honestly, I don't personally trust that okay. anymore. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I just I just stay away from it because here's the thing with soy it's not necessary. Now soy is is potentially phytoestrogenic and has is thyroid allerg agitating. So it has particular compounds called phytates in it which agitate the digestive system so it can compromise digestive capabilities it can definitely throw off the thyroid and it has phytoestrogenic um, uh, properties, meaning the more of it that you eat, the more phytoestrogens build up in the body, which is not as big of a problem as xenoestrogens, but it has a similar outcome the more of it you rely on. It's not really a great protein source. I don't actually think there's very much use value out of soy because we have so many incredible options at our fingertips now. It's almost like the vegan community largely is still in the dark ages of nutrition, Yeah, which is why you have so many good-hearted, environmental, ethically-focused vegans, yes. but they're not really health students. They're not nutrition students, so they're misrepresenting the lifestyle and getting sick. 
And, uh, you know, and that's one of the biggest, that's one of the biggest things about the vegan diet. Like can the vegan diet actually sustain you and is plant-based living actually healthy long-term? And if you do it intelligently, if you do it correctly and you're, you're, you're not really dogmatic, but you're more curious and you're more just like, okay, what's going on with superfoods? What's going on with raw living foods? Yeah. What's going on with herbs and different natural based supplements that I can incorporate to make sure that I'm covering my bases. I'm filling in the holes that I'm not getting from my diet because we have a mineral deficient um, uh, diet basically. And so that lettuce and that some of those, those produce that I'm used to in those processed vegan products, they're probably not going to have all the minerals I need. They're probably not going to have all the nutrients and micronutrients my brain needs for optimum function, my hormones need, right? So there's probably things that I need to either supplement or there's food sources in the form of what we call superfoods that are going to have a lot more bang for the buck and are going to be able to supply me the things that I need to make that transition um, and to be, you know, optimally healthy. Yeah, I agree. My belief is that we can get everything we need from food as long Mm -hmm. as it's grown in the right way as as well. (laughs) And um, it's also super important what soil that those plants are being grown in and how they are harvested and what pesticides are on them. But I do believe we can get everything we need from a plant-based diet. But I agree with you as well. There's a lot of people in the vegan community. They are a lot more focused on the earth holistically, uh, mother nature, our animals, which I think is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But some of them also aren't uh, as focused on the nutrition of what they're actually feeding their own bodies. And I do agree, like right. you're vegan and you're getting 95% of your protein just from soy. I don't think there's anything wrong with soy. Like people who are listening to this, who have soy milk in their cereal or whatever, go for it. But if they're majorly just getting their protein just from soy, and then as you said, this gluten as well, I don't feel that those are the best sufficient source yeah. of protein and then your body's going to become protein you know deficient in some way because you're not giving yeah. it the right form of protein at once and blah 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 but this is now turning into mm-hmm. like a no well this is this is this is actually this is a really important point that you're bringing up and yeah. my whole my whole this my whole exploration over the last over a decade of of being in this field has been about the upgrade it's how do we continually upgrade the human experience how do we upgrade our intellectual, our emotional, our physical, our spiritual, metaphysical, financial, entrepreneurial capabilities, our holistic experience as a human being, how do we continually upgrade? And when it comes to the health and nutrition picture, it's the same thing. How do I upgrade my nutritional protocols where I need less and less input and I can output infinitely. Basically, what I mean by that is how do you become a free energy generating device, have all your needs met metabolically? um, And how do you stop consuming more and more, right? Because a big part of this whole conversation around environmentalism is consumerism. But very few people make that connection with how much they're consuming from their diet and what takes what it even takes to to produce all that. So my whole thing is like, okay, we need to, first of all, we need to get back to hydration. We need to get 
the highest quality water. And the more you go down, what is the highest quality water? It starts to go towards free sources of water in the form of spring water or having spring water delivered to your home, which we have, yeah. we're so lucky that we have companies that actually do that. Yeah. Getting, getting more into liquid-based nutrition, um, and then eventually what ends up happening through that exploration in, in my journey has really been that I can pretty much fast and intermittent fast whenever I want. Um, and eating is more of an option now because I've supplied my body with all of the building blocks that it needs um, where now I'm not starving for nutrients. I don't have to, I don't have to shovel food down my throat every hour or 30 minutes for blood sugar stability, right? My mental capabilities, I can tap into flow states automatically. Um, you know, it took time and it took a sincere, um, you know, a sincere exploration of what that looked like. But I can tell you that now I've experienced those peak states of performance that um, I kind of I kind of figured out for myself and for many other people, you know, what that looks like. And it definitely looks like basically just looking at your nutrition protocols and saying to yourself, what can I upgrade in this moment? I can't do everything at once, but what can I shift to continually move myself closer and closer towards optimum vitality, optimum health? Yeah. Um, that, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say my belief around like the whole vegan or caring about the environment um, is just think of it as if everyone ate the way you ate and if everyone mm -hmm. lived the way you did, would you still be contributing to global warming? Like, would you still be contributing to, would industrial farming still be a thing? You know, right. if you keep, if you're eating a diet that all the 7 billion people on the planet would be eating the same as you. How would that affect the world? So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then that's a great question to ask. Ultimately we can never know the answer to that, but it's a great, <clears throat> it's a great thought process to have. If people repeated my behavior, would the world be better off for it? Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. And just to comment on, on your own exploration of your own nutrition, your diet, I just want to say congratulations. That's awesome that mm -hmm. you've been able to do that. But also in keeping in mind that that's what you found that works best in your body. And I do yeah. believe that we're all different individuals, all different bodies, even from female to female and male to male. Um, you know, we have total different body types. So what works for you isn't going to work for someone else. But as a general, that's why we're making this podcast episode <laughs> as a general for mm -hmm. most people, you know, that they can apply this stuff and it should work. Mm -hmm. I have another question for you about acne. Um, do you like, I don't want to use the word natural and like make someone feel like they're not natural, but I've been struggling mm -hmm. with acne mm -hmm. um, lately in the past six months. I was on birth control for mm. nearly a decade and I went off of it and I started getting acne like around my jawline and like the lower edge of my cheeks. And before I went on birth control, I never ever had like pimples or acne. So Anyway, besides that, that's my, my, my issue. But um, now I'm fascinated in it because I, it was never a problem for me. But do you see it as quote unquote natural? And how do we treat it? And where does it come from? Because for me as well, like I eat a very, very clean diet. 
from my perspective, you know, through my lens and my brain. Mm -hmm. But for those who are listening who have acne, who, who aren't drinking alcohol, for example, or who aren't consuming sugars or processed foods, like some people might know why they have acne, but for the less obvious uh, reason of, oh, you're eating sugar and processed foods, mm -hmm. what other reasons may people develop acne and also how can we treat it? Yeah, great, great question. Um, so one one part of the answer is potentially hormonal, um, and we've we've mentioned a few things around that. Yeah. So just kind of just having that awareness that there's a hormonal component to acne and other skin issues as well. Um, and the the other issue is likely some form of infection. Um, so particularly a bacterial infection or bacteria that's being pushed out of the epidermal layers of the skin, the pores of the skin. It's literally bacteria that's being pushed out. And then it gets encapsulated in the kind of the exoskeleton layer of, of that, that um, whatever that, that material is called that's holding the acne together. Mm. Um, so like the pus, in other words, right, that you push yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically bacteria in different different debris that's being pushed out of the skin. Because one of the things we want to understand is that you know we have we have modalities or pathways of detoxification built into our body, and the four um, the four areas of elimination that our body uses to eliminate various forms of toxins is our lungs through um, exhalation through exhaling you know respiratory toxins you know, for example, in the air and stuff, um, our colon, our kidneys through urination, and then our skin through perspiration. So our skin is actually the largest organ of elimination. Yeah. And so whatever, whatever issues that we have on the surface of the skin are actually coming through our lymphatic system, um, through our blood and our lymphatic system. So my whole thing is like, okay, you want to address something like that topically, but you also need to address it internally because that's where it's originating from. Yes, exactly. So, so there's a lot of so that there, there's 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 a lot of different things, and that that can take a deeper exploration because I'm not convinced that it's identically the same thing for each individual. But what I can yeah. say is that there's likely some form of dysbiosis, um, which is an imbalance of beneficial bacteria, and which has to do with our microbiome. And our microbiome is the largest area of our microbiome, which is where all the symbiotic and not beneficial bacteria exist. The largest, largest area of it is in our di digestive system. So you got to get that worked out. Um, and that, that can also have its root with candida issues, um, bacterial um, imbalances, which there's so much information on. I have a lot of information on it as well. And there's so many ways to, to kind of treat it. Um, whether it's through probiotics, it's through um, things like colloidal silver, different um, natural forms of antibiotics that don't disrupt your beneficial bacteria, um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, so, so two things that we pointed out here is that, you know, there's a hormonal connection, which you indicated sure. that you indicated that um, coming off birth control pills, um, largely th this, this is probably rooted in that as well. Um, which is very common for a lot of women. When you've been on birth control for a while, then you get off it, then a lot of issues start to arise from that. 
that you've um, never had before. <laughs> yeah, because the birth control is basically like estrogen estrogen therapy. Right. Basically. So what, what what we need to do is we need to rebalance the the hormone system. Yeah. Then we also need to take a look at like, okay, what what is there is there some kind of infection going on? Um you know, within the microbiome itself, you know, how is my digestion right now? That's one way to start asking yourself the question or self-diagnosing. How's yeah. my digestion right now? Do I feel like I'm able to process food efficiently? If not, what kinds of food and when in the day do I tend to have the issues? Because another interesting thing that I think a lot of people will resonate with is that um, we have a lot of food addictions, quote unquote. Um, and what I'm going to say about food addictions is that food addictions is it, what I mean by that is foods that we tend to repeat over and over, but aren't producing a beneficial result. Right. And those, those food habits are tied to food allergies. So oftentimes the foods that are creating an allergenic effect also are foods that we tend to crave or that we tend to, um, I don't want to use the word addicted, but we have it, we have a, a a control over we have a um an addictive tendency we and can't why is that, that we have an addictive tendency to something that's not yeah. serving us well well that's i mean that in of itself is the, the bigger question of that is a, <laughs> is, a, is, a, is a is a big answer yeah. but from a from a, a from the the body perspective what ends up happening with certain foods that are creating an addict or creating an allergy or creating an agitation the top five ones by the way are wheat dairy, corn, soy, and refined sugar. Mm -hmm. So if you feel like you have, um, and you're challenged by getting rid of those, those food habits, yeah. then know that those are the type five food allergies. And one of the reasons it could be so challenging to get off of those foods is because they create what's called a histamine reaction in the immune system. And so your body actually, if somebody is really fatigued, they have sleep issues, they're not getting proper rest, you can get an immunological, meaning immune system stimulation yeah. from, from foods which which tricks somebody into thinking they're actually getting energy from the food. Right. But what's actually happening is their immune system is going on red alert, which, which seems like energy. Right. So it's almost like an adrenaline. You're, you get cortisol and adrenaline dump because your body is actually in a fight or flight state. Exactly. Um, and you confuse that as energy because somebody is so used to not having proper energy that yeah. it's like, oh, I feel really good. But then what ends up happening an hour, two hours later? It's like kind of the coffee thing for a lot of people right. that can't metabolize caffeine very well. They get the spike, yep. but then they get the, the downward effect and it becomes this vicious cycle. Exactly. So it's important not to realize what you're feeling while you're eating the food or straight after. It's also how you're feeling hours later. That's and I right. just want to ask with the five foods that you created, I'm really interested to know for people who might be quote unquote, addicted to the soy and corn. Like, I don't know many people who are like, oh, wow, I'm going to go munch on some soybeans or some corn on the cob. So <laughs> what kind of yeah. foods would that look like for if it's soy or corn? Yeah, well, here's the cool thing. So my personal philosophy that I learned 10 years ago with dealing with nutritional upgrading is something called um, subtraction by addition. So you don't want to, and this goes with goal setting and, and, re, and readjusting habits in your life. Yeah. 
you don't just take something away and expect it just to go away. That creates a void and voids don't work very well. They have to get filled in and usually they get filled in by the most immediate thing that we can grab onto when we become uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Um, so subtraction by addition is about including something of a higher nature to replace something of a lower nature. So if you're dealing with like corn, for example, okay, like what would be an upgrade to like basic corn? Well, um, purple corn, maize, for example, um, even more so than that, upgrading to something like sweet potato. If you're looking at carbohydrates, like, okay, like what kind of carbohydrates would be really advantageous for me instead low of like, glycemic, yeah, yeah, um, low glycemic, I'm, high minerals. Yeah. Mm. I'm just wondering though, like what exact foods would somebody who has in the five foods that you listed, if one of them were to be soy or corn, what foods would they actually be craving? Because not well, many that, people are eating the the plants. Well, see here. So form. yeah. Well, the thing is, we we've um, in our culture, most people would be surprised to know that it's been statistically shown that most people in the Western culture have only eaten ten to fifteen foods in their entire lifetime. Oh my God. And those foods are repurposed and repackaged in different ways. Yeah. Think about this for the listener. Think about this when I say this. Corn, soy, dairy, meat, sugar, gluten. Like all of these have been repackaged and repurposed back to you in many different forms. And you think that you're eating a wide spectrum of food but they're actually very much the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So we've habituated and adapted in the microbes inside of us, the bacteria, fungi, viruses, parasites that, that live inside of us at varying degrees, have used all that as a fuel supply. So we have to understand that in order to change our food habits, we have to go back to terrain modification and we have to include a wide diversity of genetic material that maybe we haven't been exposed to. For a lot of people, what that's gonna look like is incorporating more organic fruits and vegetables, sprouted nuts and seeds, fermented foods, um, low glycemic carbohydrates like heirloom um, carbohydrates in the form of sweet potatoes, yams, Japanese potatoes, um, black rice, red rice, green rice, um, not brown rice or white rice, but yeah. those other novel um, varieties of similar foods that we've all adapted to, but they're, they're more heirloom, which means more original to their genetic, um, their genetic um, material or where that... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you say that that would just be less processed foods? Because the how you were saying before, all these foods are just presented to us in a different way. That's usually when they're processed right. and packaged. That's right. So yeah. But also just result or resort to less packaged and processed foods and eating foods where you can actually not have to look at a list of what's in this where you can actually see the ingredients in it. Like, Oh, a salad. I can see the tomatoes in it. I can see mm -hmm. the onion in it. I can see the lettuce in it. I can see the herbs in it and whatnot rather than all this food that's packaged and chopped up and processed by a factory and yeah. pushed in a paper or plastic bag and then given to you with some fancy label. And you're saying, Oh, well it's different. You know, I'm eating 
whatever the case may be, muffins instead of scones, instead of bread, instead of shibata, instead of, you know, it's all coming mm -hmm. from the same plant. But if we're actually just eating from the plant itself, then we're, it's a lot more obvious, obvious to us mm -hmm. that we're mm -hmm. eating that bigger variety of foods. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. And, and that's how you simplify it. And just to be aware, um, that's, that's step one, right? Like getting yeah. off the processed food and getting into what's natural and what's normal and what's pure. Now, where, I, where I've taken that over the years is um, I've gone from just the example of like fruits and vegetables and nuts yeah. and seed and all that, like the basic foundation, like that's your foundational building material. Yes. Then where you start going with that is like, okay, genetic, like getting into higher, more concentrated, genetically rich food, nutrient rich food. Because again, like as we know, the the basic um let, let's first of all we need to get over to organic quick like because <laughs> you don't know the chemicals that are lay laden on the the conventional fruit like you see a conventional apple right but that's not just an apple there's all kinds of invisible chemicals laden in that so we got to get to organic so we can get right back to basics like back to square one right yeah. And then once we're there and once we start to feel better and we start to our consciousness starts to expand, all of a sudden we start to see more options on the menu board than we were previously aware of. And this is and this is the invitation I have for people is not to overwhelm yourself but to excite yourself and to start envisioning the expansive possibilities for your life and for your health and what you can include into your life. There's a lot of people immediately, they'll be like, oh, it's overwhelming, but it yeah. doesn't have to be overwhelming. This can be exciting. In fact, yeah. health should be exciting. If, if health and healing doesn't have a component of fun and excitement into it, we need yeah. to change our approach because yeah. becoming the best version of ourselves is a very exciting possibility that maybe for most people going through life, they never really had that possibility. They never had that um, kind of enthusiastic spark. So what I'm telling people and what I'm inviting people into is more of an unlimited possibility of what's possible, possibility of what's possible. Um, and when you start getting into this and you start including more organic plant-based um, options, your yeah. consciousness expands. And then all of a sudden you see things that you didn't see before. And where I go with that is like, okay, now that we've gotten the basics down, let's start going to the next level, which is like more closer to heirloom and wild food, like dandelion leaf, for example, um, Brazil nuts, for example, these are types of foods that haven't been cultivated and domesticated and hybridized yeah. to the point where they, you know, for example, your basic lettuce has been hybridized and bred so much that so much of its original genetic material has been watered down to the point where it's basically water and fiber. It's so true. It doesn't have the minerals and the nutrients in it anymore. Mm -hmm. I totally hear what you're saying. I totally right. get what you're saying. And, th and this is why having a diversity of food that we bring in makes us more genetically robust because ultimately what I'm trying to get to and help people get to is not about being healthy. Like being healthy is, I don't even know what that means anymore. Like <laughs> being healthy is not the absence of disease. It's, it's, yeah. it's unique to the individual. I'm looking at being fully optimized 
And that's yeah. a, that takes you down a different path than like, oh, I just want to be healthy. Right. I want to be fully optimized. So in order to do that, I want to be genetically robust. And okay. so having your intention clear about where do you want to go with this? Do you just want to be healthy? And that's okay if you're there. Don't, don't get me wrong. But ultimately, it's like I want to, I want to be more optimized and more, more vital, more vital, more vital. Yeah. Eventually, that will take you somewhere different than, oh, I, I just want to like, I just want to be kind of healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want acne anymore and then I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. I see what you're saying. And, and I just want to comment on how you said like as the basis, the foundation, eat organic. Um, I know a lot of people listening right now are living in countries like in Europe, it's fine. Organic isn't that expensive, but in places mm -hmm. like New Zealand, for example, and Canada, not so much, but New Zealand, especially uh, mm -hmm. organic food and produce and fruit and vegetables are probably five times more expensive than the usual mm, food. And mm -hmm. if they're not in a position where they're able to financially afford organic right now, what can you suggest for those people? Well, this is, um, this is always an interesting conversation. Um, there's a, there's two things that come to mind. First is that you have to reappropriate your value system. Um, what I mean by that is that you know, you know what your value and your priorities in life are based on your bank statements. So you got to look at like, okay, if I can't afford something, I'm, and I'm also making money, then I have to look at where am I habitually spending money on a daily basis yeah. um, and get really clear and honest about that. That's just basic goal setting, number one. Um, and then the second thing is, where am I limiting myself? So for example, um, if I can't afford organic food, I need to actually get clear on like, that's not okay. Right. That's a problem. I can't, I, can't I can't lie on that as an excuse of like, oh, well, I guess I can't eat. No, that's an issue that we need to, I need to remedy that issue in my life because that's not, that's not a standard in which I'm okay living my life. And what ends up happening for people is when they, they, they get clear about what their values are, what their priorities are and their standards, all of a sudden they, they, a power, almost like a superpower starts to come on called motivation and they become motivated to get themselves in a different place in life than they are currently. Yeah. Um, and I can't say what that's going to be for the individual. I can say that we live in a time where the ability to create multiple streams of income are more available to every single person. If you have a computer, if you have a smartphone, if you have access to social media and the internet, I guarantee you have access to multiple streams of income. And all you have to do is put your thinking cap on and start going out there and seeing how can I asking better questions instead of like, why can't I afford this? How about how can I afford this? How can I start to create more streams of income um, in my life where I can start to afford organic food? I can start to afford better education for myself, for my children, better for my family. For my yeah, because yeah, we can't, we can we have to get to a place as a society where we do not leave mediocrity at the doorstep. Um, because that's where disease originates from. I can tell you right now, it's not just about the food. It's about our consciousness. Mm. If our consciousness is stuck in mediocrity, 
your, your relationships are going to be mediocre. Your quality of life is going to be mediocre. Obviously, your health is going to eventually be mediocre because if you don't make time for your health, you're going to have to make time for the doctor. Yes. And that's going to be far more expensive than the organic food. Right, exactly. So it's putting that as a, as a priority to get the organic food, not just like, oh, I can't afford it. Like, let me just try to be really healthy and not spend any more money than I already am. It's also yeah, yeah, realizing it, your worth mm -hmm. and realizing the importance of eating healthier. And you're saying that eating organic is an, a huge important factor of that. So being like, okay, I want to live healthy. Yeah. So I'm going to do what I can to get the organic produce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, the, and the, what I've what I've seen is that, you know, you got to get over this, this viral infection called excusitis. <laughs> yeah. Because, because the thing about consciousness is that it adapts to what you predominantly think and focus on. Yeah. So most people siphon their consciousness and they bottleneck it to this myopic one dimensional focus of like, oh, I can't, I can't afford this. Let's take that as an example. All of a sudden, their entire reality kaleidoscopes itself to that intention. It's like, that's all I can see. And you can't talk me out of it. No matter how good the argument is, you can't talk me out of my own, my own bottleneck. So what we have to do is we have to, because here's the thing, health is a vibration of vitality. Vitality is expansiveness. It's, it's, it's abundance. It's an abundance of energy. It's an abundance of options. It's an abundance of awareness. Yeah. So, so it's not just about the food in of itself. This translates to every, where else in my life am I doing this? Where else in my life am I bottlenecking energy? Because therefore, if my energy is, is bottlenecked, it doesn't have room to flow. And from a, from a, um, a quantum physics perspective, that would be the perspective on health and vitality, which is energy that can't flow becomes stagnant. And when water becomes stagnant, it becomes fermented with, with algae and bacteria and fungal organisms, um, which you can, you can relate to like a fungal condition like candida in the body. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you're trying to expand your energy, which starts with how you think. And if you can think differently, all of a sudden new things start to come into your awareness. And if you can hold that energy and that vibration, no matter what the world says, I promise you things will change, but in order for things to change, we have to change first. Great. I love it. I, we might've already slightly touched on this earlier, but I'd love to know your take on vegan, the vegan tribe, the new mm -hmm. paleo tribe, the keto mm -hmm. diet, all these these big diets that you see like i yeah. see it even on packaging now paleo this and then this yeah. is keto and this is vegan um which diet can <laughs> serve our physical health best and also our planets and the animals as well so taking like yeah. all of that into consideration and just what's your approach on the whole vegan playlist? i mean how much time do we have because this is i mean i <laughs> we don't we could do literally a two hour podcast breaking down everything that you just asked because I, I've spent a lot of time looking at this. Right. Um, I'll, I'll try to synthesize. Have you done, have you done each? I've done uh, them all. I've done, I've, I've done, I've personally experimented with every variation yep. of vegan, vegetarian, raw food, yep. high fat, low fat, fruitarian, high fruit, low fruit, low sugar, yep. high sugar. Um, 
experimenting with grass-fed meat, um, kind of paleo-ish, yes. um, keto. I've, I've experimented with all of it. I've studied all of it, and, I, and I'm friends with multiple experts in all different areas. Cool. Yeah. What I, what I see, one of the things with vegan and vegetarianism that people need to understand from an environmental perspective is that there are pros and cons to the environment of that particular diet. Um, which a lot of people would be surprised about because, you know, what we tend to kind of obsess over is the, the animals like the cows and the, and the, 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 um, the animals that are being put through slaughter processes that we're like, no, we're saving all the animals. Can, I just, the can I just have to say one thing though, um, for this would be more focused for vegans, what you're saying, because vegetarians are eating consume probably more or just a lot of dairy as well they consuming dairy and the dairy industry is treating animals just as bad as the slaughterhouses if not worse yeah so well, i don't see vegetarians helping out the animals and thinking so much for the animals unless they're yeah. getting it from a farmer they know or organic right. where they're not you know hurting the animals and forcing them to get pregnant and right well that that's you know that, that. yeah <laughs> Yeah, and That's I'm fully, another conversation. Yeah, and I'm fully, I'm fully aware of that extreme detail, and I, I appreciate that. I'm trying to let me just um, generalize this as much as I can yeah. to make this point, so we all can see clearly. Because one of the issues with all of these, these back and forth, um, banner raising kind of political mm. diet parties is that it's based in there's there's dogma there's cognitive bias and there's division involved which keeps us separated without seeing the other person's point of view yeah um so one of the things i want to point out about kind of just the convention this is mostly a conventional farming issue but when you know when you only focus on the plants in particular there's a cost that comes with organic um uh farming which is that you're, you know, you're recycling all the topsoil. There's, there's animals and insects that aren't cows that are also at a disadvantage because we're, we're our entire farming method, um, the way that we're trying to produce all of this produce for the world is also, it's also destroying the environment of just agriculture as a whole is also destroying the environment of Exactly. millions and millions of animals and the, the microorganisms and the ecosystem itself. So this isn't just as simple as like, oh, if you go vegan, then you're saving the environment. It's right. more complicated and it's more sophisticated. So let me just say that first, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of people on that side of things, which I totally empathize with, but are not necessarily, um, they're very mis, they're, they're very, um, I guess, aggravated or convinced that, if you just don't eat meat or you just don't eat dairy, then you're solving the problem, which is like, yes, that's a huge step forward, but there's also issues that we have to look with the agricultural system. So um, I just, I'm going to put that out there and leave it for yep. people. Um, now back, just kind of back to your question from like, okay, like what's the best diet here? Um, there is no best diet. However, there's best principles. Yes. And um, you know, I've, I've, I think the issue with in the confusion around all of this is that everybody has a different metabolism. Everybody is different psychologically, emotionally. Therefore, where they're at psychologically and emotionally is actually going to require a different concentration of fat and protein and carbohydrates 
than somebody that is maybe less stressed because the more stressed you are, the more fat you need to buffer the, the stress chemistry that's coming into the body. And there's also something to be said around what's called metabolic typing, which is that 70% of the population is dominantly a fat metabolizing um, person, which means that they run their fuel best on more fat than not, which you could equate to keto. Um, I don't think you have to go that extreme. I think the ketogenic diet is a great experimentation. It works really well for a lot of people short term. It's not something I'd recommend long term because you can't just cut out an entire um, macronutrient group like carbohydrates. You, you, your brain and your metabolism requires a certain amount of sugar in the form of glucose to run properly. You also require a certain amount of fatty acids. You also require a certain amount of amino acids. So ultimately, my approach is about balance. It's about what's going to work best for the individual right now. Yeah. Meaning, what's what do you need right now? Where are you in your life? Are you in a are you in a healing situation where you need to overcome a, a debilitation, a disease, a challenge? That's probably going to look a lot different than somebody who's in a building phase and who is re, who's who's basically healthy, but they 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 need something different for where they are and where they're going. Um, so I think having the context of like, okay, where am I right now? What do I need? And what is that going to require short-term versus long-term? One last thing I want to mention that I've, I've, I've had a considerable amount of time meditating on, which is, okay, what does it really take for, the, for an individual to be optimally healthy on an entirely plant-based diet because I've seen I've seen the good, the bad, and ugly. I've seen people that have wrecked themselves. I've seen people that have healed themselves. I've seen everything in between. It required me to get really honest about my own biases. Um, and how do I actually help people without injecting my own personal preferences? And I realized that for a lot of people, in order to adopt a primarily, let's just call it vegan for all intents and purposes diet, if that's something somebody really feels inclined to do over a lifetime, it's probably going to require them to take a few detours temporarily to supplement their deficiencies um, for, for many reasons that I, I, I could get into or not. But just to keep it simple, um, because of our food supply, because of the mineral deficiencies, the nutrient deficiencies, it's, it's, it's a tall order for a lot of people to make that transition genetically overnight. Um, and that can, that can cause a lot of problems. So there is a transition phase that has to be allowed for people. Um, basically, the way I equate it is if you're going to travel cross country, you're not going to do it on one tank of gas. You're going to have to, and you're not going to stay up all night trying to do it, right? That's what a lot of people try to do. They try to willpower themselves and power through. Like, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to do, it doesn't work that way. Health is not about powering through. Sometimes it's about, I need better sleep. I need to, I need to actually recover. I've been burning the candle at both ends. So I need some, maybe I need some extra fat right now because my metabolism has adapted over generations to, to a particular type of eating 
eating um, form that I have to transition over the course of years to be able to adapt to a a primarily plant-based diet. And I have to have the allowance to do that and to feel my body and what does my body need without judgment. Um, If if this is my long-term vision, then I have to adapt myself all the way there um, to the point where my body is like, yeah, you're, you're good to go. Exactly. And I feel like talking to you and making uh, this podcast about food, a lot of it, we're looking at it, which is why I'm so happy to have you on. You're perfect. Um, it's, it's coming a little bit more science-based, but you seem to have a very like holistic, broad view over it with mm-hmm. um, your spiritual approach. And I feel like when it comes to like the original question, when it comes to being vegan or paleo or keto um, or any of these things, like why am I getting fat just around my tummy area and I can't lose it or why am I getting acne even though I'm eating healthy a lot of this we don't always need to know the exact answer and a lot of us love to get super analytical and get in our heads Mm -hmm. about it and you know we need to find out why and we need to find out the exact reason and we want to go to the doctor we want to get all these tests done when we can also just tune into our own bodies and use our intuition. Because I believe that all of us, no matter what illness you're dealing with or what symptom your body has, that you already know what the answer is and you already know why. So, and you don't need to know exactly scientifically why or whatever of how to heal yourself or how to get better. It's all you need to do, all you need to know is what feels good what feels good mm-hmm. in your body when you eat this or when you don't eat this and when you move your body this way and you don't move your body this way how much sleep do you does your body require mm-hmm. not your partner's body or your kid's right, body right. you know it's it's really just becoming intuitive and yeah i feel that all the answers are are already within you, but I love, I love knowing about the science part of it as well, obviously. Yeah. Well, it it bridges the gap, right? Because one of the, one of the challenges we have with um, intuition is that um, as a culture, we have adapted to medicating, numbing, tranquilizing, and and sedating our emotions and our feelings. Therefore, we are not able to feel the guidance system of our intuition. So it's actually, it's, it's, it's a walking ourselves back home and that doesn't happen overnight either. Um, so one of the, one of the challenges is that, you know, once you start becoming, you start cleaning up your body, you become more sensitive and you can sense the sensations of energy coursing through your body. And if you can mentally understand what's going on, then you can make more sensible decisions because otherwise, if it's just purely feeling, then, you know, you might feel a craving, but like I said, with the whole immune system stimulation, that feels good in the moment. It's like, oh yeah, that feels like the right thing because in this moment, I'm feeling better than I was Yeah, temporarily. But what the mind allows you to do if you use it correctly is it can it can objectively meaning not biasly but it can objectively look at like okay i do this this happens then this happens yeah right but we don't want to get in our head of like trying to trying to solve problems from our mind it's more just observing with innocent yeah. perception of like okay i eat the twinkie <laughs> i feel i feel this temporary like or the cookie or even the vegan donut or whatever yeah, i feel exactly. this like ooh i feel good and then 
it's like, okay, I, I feel that like sugar rush or that fat and sugar stimulation. But then 30 minutes later, I get a tummy ache. Bingo. Like you would think. Like, yeah. or, or two hours later, I feel extremely right. tired, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to yeah. be only 30 minutes later. And yeah. as well, though, sometimes you don't even realize the symptoms when you're doing it once. It's something that if you keep doing right. occurring, right. that's when it's bad for you. And that's what I'm saying your intuition can come in because you can't yeah. always just like, I don't mean intuition as in just like, oh, see how I feel now and see how I feel now and see how I feel mm -hmm. now. It's, it's also yeah. intuitively just being like, even though this looks healthy and feels healthy for me, like even if you're supplementing, like I have a right. friend, I have a lady and she was supplementing supplements and they were like vitamins and mm. they gave her anxiety attacks mm. because mm. they were just not the right vitamins for her. And then she yeah. intuitively like, and she was on this bend for like six months until she found out that it was actually, she was supplementing nutrition that gave her anxiety attacks and that stressed her body out. So that's what I mean by like intuitively, like even yeah. though it doesn't seem logical to us at the time, just being like, I feel like eating this right, 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 right. or even though I think this is good for me, it just doesn't feel right. Great. Absolutely. Beautiful, beautiful point. And I think what, what can be supportive for people is the, what's called the sacred pause. So it's, it's the pause before doing the thing. Mm. Like, okay. Like in relationship, it's like, okay, I'm getting triggered instead of reacting into it. Yeah. Cause you, because then you can't, then you're in it. Right. Yeah. But like actually noticing the sensation and pausing for a moment, even if you have to put your heart, your hand on your heart or like put both hands on your solar plexus as an indication to pause, because that's really helpful. And like, okay, boom, I'm pausing. Something's happening right now. Let me pause. Yeah. Um, and this happens too when it comes to like, um, you know, spending money and, and uh, you know, on, on things that you may be, you know, having, having a, what they call it, retail regret and stuff. That's a very real thing too. It's all the same phenomenon. Basically, it's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to medicate a sensation, but it's like, okay, I want to go buy something. Pause, pause, feel the feeling. And then even if you're driving to the place, it's like, you start to feel like if you're present with yourself, you realize like, oh, I don't feel like I need that anymore. Exactly. Okay. And then it's, it's, so it's that awareness, right? And once you have the awareness, you stop reaching out. For the thing and you develop that um that that delayed gratification muscle which is the ultimate sovereignty um exercise the ultimate empowerment is to delay gratification is that puts the power back in your hand to choose what it is i want to do yeah and there's no judgment there it's like okay whether i'm having the thing or not as long as i'm consciously choosing it i'm in my power but if I am uncontrollably doing something, I'm not in choice. I'm, I'm disempowering myself to a, to a, to a um, impulse and I'm being, I'm being, um, I'm being taken for a ride. And I think that's the, that's the distinction right there. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you if you know of any certain additives, preservatives, mm -hmm. or even sweeteners that you are strongly against or that you highly recommend people mm. don't consume for people who are eating processed foods and are looking at the ingredients list yeah. are there a few things that are added to our foods that we should be aware of and that you want to inform us on 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great question. Um, I mean, pretty much like, so let's say you go to Whole Foods or you go to one of these so-called health food markets, like Whole, Whole Foods is a great example. 90% of it is, is, I'd say a, a vast majority of it fits into that category, but it's a little more deceptive because it's quote unquote organic or it's like a health food store. But if you look at the perimeter of any, of any grocery store, generally speaking, most of that you should probably, or I should say it's, it's uh, no, it's, it's what's in between for the most part. The, the perimeter and the outside of it is usually like the produce or, yeah. um, you know, whatever, whatever is like closer to nature. And then built into the center is most of the processed stuff, right? Um, well, the things on the outside are usually needing to be cooled and refrigerated too, That's right? right. Yeah, exactly. Alive. There's more life in those foods. That, yeah, 100%. And so... Um, you know, it depends. Like I would say, like generally speaking, like um, if you cannot pronounce something or it looks like a chemical, chances are it is. Um, and it gets a little more nuanced because there are certain ingredients that people aren't oh, familiar with. I would say not always. There's a lot of food that I eat that I'm like, what the fuck? Like the weirdest health things. And like sometimes the food industry will also use different terminologies for for certain foods and i know in new zealand it's like really retarded because they don't legally have to list the exact word of like a sweetener or a preservative they'll just write like preservative 225 right. and you, well, will that, well, that... no, you will have no idea if it's like garlic powder or if it's like msg like you will not right. know and same with sweeteners you won't know if there's stevia in there or if there's aspartame it's well really... i can so i can guarantee you if if that's happening, it's not stevia. Uh, it, no, it is sometimes. It is like every so it's every single food in New Zealand. They and they all work like that. Like it's very seldom. Only lately, I've seen them actually use the real words of the preservatives or the sweeteners or or anything like even flavor enhancer. Like that word um, has like a negative view on it but then sometimes the flavor enhancer if you actually look up the code and google it in the the food additives booklet or whatever then it's like lemon juice and it's something that's not even that bad so anyway i'm going off on a tangent but um oh, as i was saying with the ingredients list like something as simple as uh soy yogurt or whatever like the cultures added to the yogurt if you look at mm -hmm. the ingredients list like the names of the cultures that they add to it that are super good for you and that are probiotic um i cannot even pronounce those words yeah well yeah it's not it's not just as simple as if you can't pronounce it but if it looks like a chemical for example like anything like that like what you're mentioning yeah. is unless you know exactly what it is Right. then it's better to stay away. And this is why moving towards whole foods and living foods in particular, yeah. just, it cuts you out of that whole game. Totally. Because, totally. Then, because then you're dealing with what food actually is. Yeah. And um, you can get a little more sophisticated, especially when you're dealing with like um, different, um, different um, whole food concentrated powder products, for example, that might have multiple ingredients. You want to stick to simplicity. There might be a little bit of self-education involved for sure, but there's certain things that are just obvious, like polysorbate 30 or yellow dye or yeah. um, things of that nature. Though, you know, anything that looks like blatantly like a chemical, then yeah, that, that's probably what it is. Or it might be a version of like what would be a natural derivative, but it's been chemically altered. 
Yeah. Um, so there, there's that aspect too. I mean, the way that I just try to help people navigate it is that ultimately what you're trying to do is you're trying to get back to what's natural, what's normal, and what's original, right. which is living foods, whole yeah. foods, um, and, and then you can move up the scale that way, but things that are naturally derived. And also, here's another thing I'll, that will be very empowering that kind of gets you out of the mind of it, is that you can, you can develop a muscle, um, a muscle testing um, technique, which is very much how your intuition is built into your, your actual physical body. So, for example, there's different forms of muscle testing, but you can take like, um, you know, I don't know, it's like pancake, like organic pancake mix or something. Yeah. Um, you can hold it, because there can also be a natural ingredient that's allergenic to you. So there's that too. Yeah, exactly. So you can, so for example, visualize that you're holding um, a product or a supplement, put it on your heart and then feel, and then ask yourself a question internally, is this good for me? Now that's a, that's a deep level of sensitivity mm. that you feel. And this is how you develop that, that intuition um, when it comes to making any kind of choice in your life. You can easily is this good for me? And you can, you'll either go strong or you'll go limp or you'll go weak. Um, another way to do this is make a circle with your index finger and your thumb while you're holding a product. And if you try to break, don't try to push it hard, but try to break lightly that, that lock. If it, if it feels weak, then something's off. It's not, your body is not registering it. But if your fingers are strong, then your body is registering it like, yeah, the, we, we, we want this. Interesting. I love that. I love mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And I find that's very powerful as well. Like things that we can do that are outside of our head and reading labels and all that stuff. That's really cool. Totally. Mm -hmm. What are some powerful foods and lifestyle changes, if you have any, that we could do to fight disease within the body. There's too many mm -hmm. people getting sick and being diagnosed with cancer these days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what are some, and yeah, what are some powerful foods we can consume to combat the dis-ease within our body? Wow, uh, great question, big question. Um, so I mean, you know, for, for people that haven't gotten into this, green vegetable juice is like critical. That, that's where I got started. And yeah. that's one of the most powerful avenues. And what I would say about green vegetable juice is you can do a beginner, intermediate, and advanced. In my book, I have recipe sections that have beginner, intermediate, and advanced juices. What that can basically look, for, look like for someone is like cucumber and celery juice. If you're just like getting into the door, start with cucumber, celery juice. Then okay. you can move up to adding like cilantro. And then from there, what I'd really recommend people doing is adding one tablespoon of spirulina to mm. your juice. And now what you have is a super protein-rich, micronutrient-rich um, juice that basically takes in all that protein, all those amino acids and minerals, all that alkalinity. It goes into your blood and it literally starts rebuilding your blood on the spot. Oh my God, I'm craving one now. <laughs> I don't have a juicer here. I'm staying at a friend's, damn. <laughs> so what, so what, what you can do and what most people are going to do is yeah. that, especially if you're traveling, one of yeah. the great things to do is get um, uh, low temperature dried um, green powdered superfoods, like green grass powders, like wheatgrass, okay. 
alfalfa grass. I work with an incredible company that supplies um, the most incredible um, versions of these that actually are, are not heat treated at all. So they're actually at live dehydration temperature. So they retain okay. all of the nutrients. And you can take those powders with you and you just put it in water. Oh, that's and now, cool. And you just take it that way. I've been doing that for years and that has literally changed my entire metabolism. I've rebuilt my immune system doing that. I'm always like sketched out with those kind of things. Like yeah. I'm like, I'd much rather prefer like the plant that I can actually tell it's a plant, like in its beauty with water and fiber and stuff. Yeah. And I'm always a bit sketched out about those powder forms, but I can, I can hear where you're coming from because I do travel quite a lot and it's yeah definitely harder like on the road to have those like power boosting foods so yeah. that would be well, very it's a, yeah and I, I totally get that and it, it's a quality thing because in the industry yeah. there's no standards there's no regulatory standards on the yeah. word raw yeah so a lot of what i came to find is when i was um i was uh you know i was being approached by a particular company which you know we could talk later about but Basically, I was looking at a product company to align myself with them, and I came upon research about a lot of other companies that deal with like protein powders and stuff, and um, they, they were using certain dehydration methods that weren't entirely raw, and I didn't realize this before, but um, they just slapped the word raw on it because, you know, there's no regulatory body, but they're actually using certain heat heat treatment to dehydrate those powders oh, wow. and um so so it's kind of a wild wild west when you go to the store um yeah. doing your and this is why you can you know doing your research and calling a company or having somebody like me or somebody that is, that has done their research that can recommend quality products because yes. believe me there are incredible products out there yeah. that are getting confused because there's a lot of products out there that aren't so great but it's not it's you know it's it's not all the same so once you have the guidance and you know what you're doing and you know what works and what doesn't work all of a sudden then you have the power and i apologize on behalf of the the convoluted industry of the health product industry yeah uh, because it is very unfortunate but i don't want that to overshadow the fact that there are incredible products like spirulina and chlorella and things like marine phytoplankton and hemp seeds and um yeah and there are actually companies out there that genuinely want to right. help people become healthier right that, yeah and they're in there and they're, all about green are they give me well, hope <laughs> no and none of it really you know it's like it's not like it's all about that but you know a, a lot of it is financial a lot of it are a lot of companies are pouring their money into marketing yeah. so they don't have the money to you know, work with all the farmers or to give them the, the best wages or to yeah. do things incredibly impeccably. You know, they're doing the best they can because of the way the system is rigged against all of us. Yeah. Um, but there are companies that have put their money where their mouth is and are reinvesting into the quality of their product and are committing themselves to um, making sure that the customer and the farmer and the quality of the, the products is put first. Yeah, perfect. And speaking of asking other people and finding things by word of mouth, how can people find you online? Uh, awesome. Yeah, well, you can go to my website. It's ronnielandis.net. 
Um, you can find a lot more about me, um, my newsletter, my podcast called the Holistic Human Optimization Show. Yeah. Um, if you want to find out more about that, you could uh, find that on my website or type my name into iTunes. That'll pop up. I will I also, put your website and that info in the show notes as well for anyone listening who's driving or whatever. I will pop those in the mm -hmm. show notes. Awesome. And yeah. then also I want to I want to um, share a special a special thing for everyone listening if you feel so inclined. Um, over the last five years, I have had a holistic nutrition certification program called the Holistic Health Mastery Program. And you can find more information at holistichealthmastery.com. But if you are inspired by this conversation, you want to dive deeper, and um, you want to participate in that program, reach out to me personally. Um, my email is ronnie at holistichealthmastery.com, or you can reach out to me at Facebook. Let me know that you heard about this through this podcast, and I will give you a significant enrollment discount on that program if it feels like something you want to do. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. My pleasure. All right. It was great having you on the show, and I hope you have a beautiful rest of the day. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Oh, thank you. Bye.